In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, friends, I think this is going to go down, in my book anyway, as the strangest and perhaps uh, in some ways saddest Palm Sunday I've ever attended, much less celebrated as a priest. In my uh, 18 years of ordained ministry, I have never, never locked the church doors for Sunday worship. There have been times, admittedly, in Red Bank where my wife said, for God's sake, man, use your common sense, for example. A time we had about 18 inches of snow in uh, Red Bank, New Jersey, and I went to church anyway and got to the church and opened the door, unlocked the front door, and it was just me until a woman named Janet Flederer, a dear woman who actually lived right next door, she showed up and she joined me and we worshiped together. Or even here in Vero Beach, right? We don't get much snow in Vero Beach, but even here, last year, the year before, they all kind of blur together after a while, uh, we had a hurricane here and the, and the power was out. And if you remember, even then in this very building, in darkness and heat and humidity, which we have here in the summer, we gather together. We still gather together even then in the darkness and the heat. We celebrated together Jesus and, and partook of his body and blood. And so I have to tell you, it, it, this is indeed a sad day for me, as I know it is for many of you. I mean, our bishop has ordered the cessation of all public worship, a decision which I'm not second-guessing, frankly. I'm glad I don't bear that mantle. Um, he's a godly man, and I know that he made his decision after much prayerful consideration and, frankly, concern for the sheep of this, the people of this diocese. And I want to also kind of pivot off that a bit and just remind you, and I guess in some ways even remind myself, that for the Christian, you know, everything, everything is an opportunity to learn to trust God. I said last week, and I'll say it again because it's true, the whole meaning of life is not a mystery. The meaning of life is simple. Trust God and learn it, and boy, that's not always easy to do. But the, the as Christians, we know that everything in this world, good, bad, and ugly, can be opportunities for us to learn to trust him more and more and to see his work in our lives. And I've been thinking about this, and you know, maybe in some way this really isn't quite so bad of a Palm Sunday because there is, as they say, the proverbial silver lining. After all, while most of my people are not physically here, a smattering, people that are participating in the liturgy here. Lots of you are present virtually online. Hello, everyone. I can't see you, but I know you're there. And you know, in fact, worshiping together right now, live, as they say, is a little different from being present, but we're all here together. And, and sort of pivot off that a little bit, springboard, you know, I, it's a, a bigger picture, the bigger picture in all this is that every Sunday, every Sunday, not only do we pray as a community here, but we pray with Anglicans around the world, right? All over the world, separated in time and space, but not in spirit. We, sell, we stand shoulder to shoulder with our brothers and sisters in the Church of Ireland, in the Church of England, in the Church of Nigeria, in the Church of Central Africa, even alongside those in the Holy Catholic Church of Japan, which is what the Anglican Church is called in that country. So I think we're not really alone, are we? And even more so, stretch it out even a little further, 
We worship together even with those who have died. Even with those who are in heaven with Jesus right now. We say it every Sunday. We will sing it in a few moments. The Sanctus, therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify the glor- thy glorious name, evermore praising thee, Father, and saying, holy, holy, holy. Friends, we are not alone here. Even if you're sitting at home by yourself, you are not alone. Because we pray with those around the world. We pray with our brothers and sisters in this parish, those spread apart, We pray with our brothers and sisters in Japan and England and Nigeria and Central Africa and Australia and all around the world. We even pray with those who have died, with angels and archangels. So in one sense, as I look around this building, which is largely empty, in one sense, you know, it's actually packed. We are not alone. Despite all the mess, friends, Despite all the mass times of real suffering, of confusion and fear, maybe even death itself, as we'll see in a moment, despite all that mass, you know, the church, we carry on, man. We worship God, even if separated by space and time, and even now, temporarily, by death itself. So I wonder in some way, as I'm working through this in my own spirit, I wonder if in some way this might actually not be the best Palm Sunday ever. Because it illustrates the very dynamic of this day. The very dynamic of the church's life. Despair, loneliness, suffering, and victory. All at once. The seemingly discordant themes that Jesus lays out for us today in his arrival in Jerusalem. Now on Palm Sunday, you know, is the day when Jesus arrives into the city of Jerusalem. Where the king of the Jews resided in the the, uh, king's palace. And everyone gathers on the road and they shout, Hosanna, which means, save us, save me. I mean, the crowds are overwhelming. There are people are happy. People are, life is good. There is joy. There is hope. There is celebration. And yet, and yet, here's the thing. Within five days, literally, this coming Friday, We see this same Jesus who is celebrated today, arrested, tried, convicted, beaten, and hanged from a tree as a common criminal. Five days later, Jesus' popularity crashed faster than the Beto O'Rourke presidential campaign. But you know what? He knew it was coming You know, most people, when they read this, they think, oh, man, poor Jesus, man. Boy, did he get a bad rap. He's such a nice guy. You know, why do you got to pick on the nice guys, man? This is so unfair. Nonsense. I want you to challenge challenge you today to see Palm Sunday the way that Jesus saw Palm Sunday. Because the way that he sees it and the way that the world sees it are radically different things. Friends, Jesus chose this. He was not caught off guard. He was not surprised by the betrayal of Judas, his friend. It was part of his plan, you see, all along. I'll prove it, two examples, but there's lots in the New Testament and the Old Testament. In Luke chapter 29, verse, sorry, uh, chapter 9, verse 21, Jesus says this in reference to himself. He says, the Son of Man, that's him, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. 
or in Matthew chapter 16. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Jesus is not surprised by this. He knew it was going to happen. He went to Jerusalem, friends, to die on the cross for one reason and one reason only. To pay the debt of my sin, to pay the debt of your sin, to punch your ticket and mine, to save you from hell. He, friends, died. He rode into Jerusalem so that you may live. Let me challenge you this Palm Sunday, friends, to see Palm Sunday the way that Jesus saw it, which I bet is a lot more like we see it here today in loneliness and an empty building than on a Sunday with a packed church. I'll bet this is probably actually closer to the visceral feeling of the actual event. Not with overflowing crowds or grand choirs or waving palms or maybe even a nice Sunday brunch afterwards. As wonderful as these things are, you see, Palm Sunday instead is a whole different thing. It's actually a rescue mission. It's a rescue mission from a king who comes to save his people. A king who seems defeated, but yet, in God's great irony, in his defeat, you see, claims victory. You know, Jesus says something in John chapter 15, verse 13. He says, you know, You've heard this before. I want to read it to you again in context. He says, you know, greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. We know that one. Listen to that again in the context. Jesus says, look, greater love has no man than he lays down his life for his friends. We know that verse, but you might not always think of the second verse. And Jesus says, you are my friends. My brothers and sisters, as we gather to give thanks to Jesus who came down from heaven to die for you and for me, to reconcile us to God, to save you and me because we cannot save ourselves, to pay our way, let us also be challenged to do what he commands, to trust him even in the midst of a pandemic, to be bold, to be cheerful, confident, fearless, defiant, not for lack of struggle, but even frankly, in the midst of it. Because Jesus wins, you see. He loves us. He loves you. He saves you. And even most astoundingly, he calls us his friends. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for Jesus who came down from heaven to save us from our sins that this Palm Sunday show us that we are in fact not alone and that we can be bold and fearless knowing that even in the midst of struggle, Jesus wins. Even death has been rolled victorious by him. Give us confidence and assurance even in dark times. Give us boldness and fearlessness even in the midst of suffering. Let us live Palm Sunday. Let us see this Palm Sunday as Jesus saw it and be glad. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. 
To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook. Facebook.